All right, guys, welcome back to Within Tolerance. This is episode 15, and we are back, just Dylan and I. And I think both of us have had a extremely busy past couple of weeks. Last episode, we had Jay Pearson on. That was episode 14. If you guys haven't seen or listened to that one, definitely go check it out. That was by far, I think, one of the coolest conversations we've had yet. And uh, I just can't wait to have him back on. I don't know about you, Dylan, but I'm. I think that... That specific podcast will, I don't know, set us apart from some of these other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just a very cool, he's got such a unique perspective on so many things. And uh, yeah, speaking of having him come back, we'll talk about it later in the episode. But now that I'm starting to use vacuum work holding, I've had so many other questions that I wish I could have brought up, um, just, you know, pop up as I'm using it. I'm like, oh, I should have asked Jay about this. Oh, I should have, you know, brought this up. And so uh, I would love to have him back. Yeah, so if I guess if you want to, you want to talk about your vacuum and your fixture work holding you've been playing with because you've been posting about that and then texting me privately about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I brought up weeks ago the grills that we make and how they were a real pain in the ass. And we were making, we were using the Saunders Machine Works, you know, NYC CNC glue and tape method with the uh, powder coat tape. And it worked. It was the only thing that I could get to work because the material is eighth inch thick and it gets, I don't know, probably 60, 70% material removal. And so it would just warp like crazy using clamps. Um, and so the super glue and tape got us through the first couple of orders of them, but it was, it's just so much work to get one part on there. Like you've got to stone the fixture, which was just a, you know, an orange palette that was decked. It actually had holes from the, when we were trying to use clamps, but, um, so you'd stone that and then clean it with acetone and then tape it. And then I jitterbug the part, um, and tape that and then glue them together and put like my spare orange vice body on them for a few minutes to let it actually like sit and settle. And then finally I could hit the cycle start button. And even then maybe one in 20 parts was releasing. Um, and, and usually I could catch it, well, about half and half, I would either catch it or I'd hear it pull up and like start spinning around the tool. So it was sketchy and just not a great solution. Um, and thankfully, uh, somebody, one of our listeners heard that, you know, I was struggling with that and was nice enough to loan me his, uh, VPU from Pearson, which is their, uh, vacuum power unit. So Chris from performance stainless steel was really kind and said, Hey, I'm not using mine. If you want to, you know, borrow it for a couple months before I can get, get around to it, feel free. And that was kind of the incentive we needed to jump into it. And so we converted the orange palette into a vacuum fixture. Um, we, I pocketed the bottom, did a gasket track, a bunch of quarter twenties, and then put a gasket in there made another top that kind of resembles, you know, most vacuum fixtures with a I think mine's a half inch by half inch grid. And then on top of that, I have individual pallets now similar to the Pearson system where I can just have a single gasket track for my individual parts. And I'm just using uh, ground shoulder bolts for that to locate it. So overall though, it works. I mean, like you were saying, all that glue, don't have to deal with that now. And then as far as alignment go, do you just kind of like eyeball the stock? Because I'm assuming you're just using, I think it was eighth inch plate you were saying? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can see on my palette where I've cut out the part. Like the last okay. thing I do is cut out the part and all the stock is left. 
Um, and so I, you just, as, as long as I overlap that cut line on all sides, I'm good to go. And I've, I've got a few screw holes too, that I screw into at the very beginning to hold the remnants so that I, I've heard and was, had, was fearful that as a corner or something released that last second, it might actually get pulled by the end mill too much and pulled a part off the vacuum. Um, it's, you know, the, the gasket itself. Cause that's like the number one failure with uh, vacuum fixturing is that not that it pulls it up, but that it shoves it one way or the other on the sideways and you uh, lose your vacuum. And so I've got screws that, that capture the corners and those are the first things I put them in the, and then it runs for, I think 20 minutes unattended, which is really nice. And then part changeover is like what, less than a minute probably. Yeah, pretty much. It's, you know, unscrew the, I think it's six screws or eight screws, pull off the one things, uh, blow off the pallet and stick another one down and hit the vacuum and hit go. Man, you're just spoiling yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did have to, so I, I made a miscalculation when I was first had this idea and I was like, oh, I'll just run a gasket track through each one of the grill. It's not spoke, but you know, grill lines. And I was like, that, that should work. And I should be able to cut all the way through and yada, yada, yada. Well, it turns out I miscalculated and I didn't have enough room in there for like a, a gasket track to go down the center or like there was, there was pretty much no way to do it. And so, um, I'm right now leaving like a six or seven thou onion skin on the inside of each one of the internal pockets. And then I'm going to make a separate vacuum fixture that just, I flip it over. There's a couple quarter inch dowel pins that it'll bank up against. And I'll just go in there with a chamfer mill real quick and cut out the onion skin and, and chamfer the backside of it. That sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it adds an off, but once the pallets are cut, all of my origins are exactly the same for both sides of the grills and both operations. And so it'll be real quick to swap them in and out and knock it out. Well, that's good. Especially, I mean, the fact that, what was his name? Chris, you said that sent that to you, the yeah. VPU. Um, I mean, are you going to buy one now after seeing how much you like it? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole reason that I agreed to borrow it was that I had a real strong inkling that I was going to like it and want to use it, but I didn't want to invest. I mean, I think the VPU and the connection kit together, are five or 600 bucks, something like that. And uh, so rather than investing that and then realizing it didn't work and having to deal with reselling it or something the, to be able to, I think I spent maybe, I don't know, 100, 150 bucks on material total for like both the top plates and all the pallets. Uh, so it's a, quite a bit less investment and it all worked out. And now I have, because I'm using the pallet system, like on top of it, I now have just a normal vacuum chuck too that I can use for brackets or other parts. Um, we, we come across a lot of really thin stuff from time to time that is always a real pain to deal with. And now it won't be nearly that much of a pain. Yeah, I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. I mean, if he didn't reach out to you and offer to borrow it, I mean, you probably would, because you just got that big order of all those thin parts. So you probably would be, you know, late night doing the gluing just because, you know, that's all you knew how to do. Right. Yeah. Well, and like I had already started looking at vacuum. Like, I think that's why he contacted me is because we were talking about it on here. But, you know, the investment in a an entire vacuum pallet system, not knowing that it would work was a lot. You know, I needed quite a large Pearson pallet and it was, I don't know, I want to say like 16 or 1700 bucks. I'd have to go actually look, but it was more than I really wanted to invest on like a whim. Whereas yeah. 
to just have to buy the VPU and already like I had already invested in the Delta palettes from Orange. And so like I didn't want to have to spend even more on top of that and kind of scrap that. And so to be able to turn one into it, it worked perfectly. Yeah. I mean, those orange palettes, aren't they only like $150, I think? Yeah, but then there was also the like the Delta carriers, which I think were oh, okay. another two hundred bucks or something like that. So like it's none of it's you know vice money, but it slowly adds up when you start you know dropping a hundred bucks here and two hundred bucks here and you know all that stuff. So I was really happy to kind of still use what I had already bought, and and it's really nice because now I can swap it in and out. Like if I don't want to use the vacuum palette, but I need another palette, I can just you know, hot swap those and it's done. Yeah. So, so those have been running good on the brother. Are you almost done with that order? Uh, yeah, I'm a little over halfway done right now. Okay. Um, I need to make the left side pallet tonight. And then I need to make both of the second up ones, but those should be really quick. It's just, you know, drilling, cut, cutting the vac uh, vacuum track, which is like a 16th inch end mill slotting. And then uh, a few holes for the, quarter inch dial pins. Okay. That's not bad. No, not at all. It, it was, it should be really quick. Really the longest thing is the runtime. So, yeah. Um, but besides that, yeah, we've just been slammed with work. Like all of our customers have a bunch of work. It seems like, and all of it's super quick turnaround. Like I'm slowly realizing that our biggest value proposition is that we can do really quick turn work. Yeah. Um, we, we work fairly efficiently and, kind of know our way around getting prototypes out. And so we, you know, if, if we promise quick lead times, we're pretty much guaranteed to get the work. Yeah. You just got to hold that to you. And, you know, like you said, just advertise that whenever you find new customers. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we, we went to that. I, I, I don't think we had time to talk about, or we didn't talk about it last time because we had Jay on, but I went to that first tech council uh, gathering or event um, and that was fantastic. You know, we were talking to a lot of people, a lot of possible customers, um, a lot of the tech council attracts like a lot of auxiliary support businesses too. So like patent lawyers and commercial real estate people. And so we, we got a lot of really good contacts. And um, I think either today or tomorrow, I'm signing up to be, so the Prodium's a member of the, the tech council. Uh, so it, 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 overall, it was a really great event. And something I look forward to keep going to their events. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting. And the place that hosted it, like they did a, you know, I think it was five or six stations, kind of a show and tell showing off their technologies and all their different products. And so it was really interesting to see what they do. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple of local events like that around here. That I need to, you know, mark my calendar and start going to them. Cause like you said, you just meet, you never know who you're going to meet and everybody knows everybody it seems in this industry. Yeah. Well, and, and these are like that. I don't know. I didn't see any other machine shops there. Like it's all optics companies and technology companies and then the people who would need machining. So it's like a perfect place for me to go. I mean, a lot of people aren't there to do that stuff. Like they're just there to network and have fun. And you know, it's a good excuse to go out and have a drink with some people they know, but you know, even if it's one in 10 or one in 20 people that might end up being a customer, it's still worth it for us to go and attend those. And it's really good practice for both Brad and I to socialize with people and learn to talk about our businesses or, you know, our business both coherently and with enough, you know, 
emotion that people want to send us work. Exactly. I mean, that's a huge deal. I mean, anyone can have a kick butt machine shop, but if you can't talk about it and be passionate about it and sound like you know what you're doing, that's, you know, half the battle. Yeah. It, it, yeah, totally. It was, so it was great. And then I really look forward to more networking events where I can kind of practice that skill. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, that's pretty much it for me. I've just been slammed and doing a lot of work. Most of it I can't really talk about. So it's, you know, <laughs> the, the vacuum stuff is great because I can't talk about that. And it's such an interesting transition out of vice work. You know, I, I'd say 99% of my stuff is vice or 95% and then the rest is fixtures. And now I can add this to my arsenal of things I can offer and ways I can think about parts. Which is awesome. Yeah, because it just opens up your brain to like, okay, like I have this, like, you know, I can expand on this. How can I use this to my advantage? Because like you said, doing vice work, you can only do so much and it gets kind of old after a while. Yeah. Well, I'm, like I said, we come across enough thin stuff where it'll have holes and an outside perimeter that needs to be cut in relation to each other, but the faces don't need to be cut. Like they're just brackets or something. And what we end up usually doing is either making them out of thicker billet and just facing both sides because then we can control the outside in two ops or we cut all the holes and then make a fixture that the holes mount onto and then bolt it down and cut the outside. So either way, it's two ops, whereas now with vacuum work holding, that can be a one op part. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm ex really excited for that. Yeah. Well, one thing that's cool that's coming up tomorrow is I'm going to UR Robots, their local distributor for me. Oh, awesome. I, so, I was wondering if that was still moving forward and, and what's going on with that. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm like, I don't know what happened in the past like two weeks, but my brain just changed into like automation mode. I don't know if it was having Jay on or just having him on and then like a combination of talking to people, but I'm like, slowly creeping towards that like as much as possible that's awesome so i'm literally holding i just got in the prodigy chip fan so i'm like super stoked to try this out yeah i um, saw that in your stories i'm that i'm anxious to see how you like that because we've talked about one from time to time yeah so i got this from actually an instagram guy I bought it off of him he had an extra and um i'm like that's why i posted about those really stubby tool holders because my machine only has a seven inch max gauge length of a tool and this fan itself is like five and a half and mari tool has the one and three quarters gauge length but that's cutting it pretty close um, right so you know techniques you brought up and i knew about them but they're like 300 dollars for a tool holder which is kind of crazy um, really yeah so i don't know what the deal is with that but shars has like their Tagara brand or whatever, they have it for like only like, it's like $100. It's like the same price as Amari tool. So I might just get that. Um, oh yeah, that's not bad at all. I mean, it's just for a chip fan, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, but I'm super stoked to try this out. And I mean, it's just like the little things that I'm trying to improve on because the more you think about it, like machining's cool and all, but like there's parts of it that it gets so like repetitive that it's like if i can just eliminate this like not having to use the air gun after or you know right as you open the door type thing like that would be huge for me just from an operator you know loading parts perspective totally yeah it's it is one of those things that just sucks like no matter what yeah so i'm trying to slowly eliminate things like that and then 
tomorrow. I'm really curious to talk to the UR guys. I want to program their, I think UR 10. I think that's the largest one, right? Other than the new one. Yeah, I was going to say now they have the 16, but um, yeah, it, it, I think the 10 is the, the largest one besides the new one. And yeah. the, the 16, like Jay said, is not, it's not any bigger. It's like a UR5 with the 10 joints. Okay. Because um, actually at the tech council meeting, I, I talked with our UR guy and he, uh, yeah, he was, he was saying he got to play with one recently at a trade show. Okay. Yeah, so I'm really curious to program one of that and just talk more about pricing. And the more I was thinking about it is it's probably similar to like a machine tool where let's say it's $50,000 or whatever, but I'm assuming that, I mean, you still have to buy grippers and, you know, if you need a camera or any of that accessories, that's probably not very cheap. Yeah, well, I know like the gripper that we had demoed that was... um like intelligent, like it knew how open or closed it was and how much force it was using. I think that was a $5,000 gripper. Jeez. Um, but then like, if you're just going to use a pneumatic gripper, those are significantly cheaper. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I was thinking, you know, there's that upfront machine price and then what's the tooling cost in this case, the grippers or, you know, any of that accessories. Yeah. It, I mean, that, that is where there, there's a whole ecosystem around just, additional stuff to add to your UR. So definitely expect to pay something. I, I know one option that our sales guy brought up that I definitely would get, um, is he said it was only like 500 bucks, but they have a similar to how Haas will text you. If there's an issue, they have like one of those interfaces for the robot itself too. Okay. And so it'll text you if there's problems and what, what the error messages and things like that. Yeah. That sounds really cool. So I just sent you that call it check in the chat. Um, the Technics one is like $103. Oh, really? I was looking at a different site then. Oh, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. And that's ER32. Yeah. So that'll hold three quarter. Yeah. So for anybody listening, it's a Technics 22253S. It's a Cat 40 super rigid collet check is what they call it. And it's a three quarter inch gauge length. Super, super uh, short. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to, I have to make a Mari tool order anyways. I need more pull studs. Um yeah, that, that looks like it worked just fine. Yeah, and I think it uses standard ER32 collets. It doesn't say anything about not using them, so. Okay, cool. Yeah, I might just get that. Yeah, but uh, so that's exciting. And then you just got back from Brick something Seattle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, BrickCon is what it is. Okay, there and you go. Yeah, so that was this past weekend. That's like the largest show. We talked about that like a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, that went really well. It wasn't as good sales-wise as last year, but I mean, it's still crazy the amount of people that they get you know, in these convention centers and the amount of product that I move. So it's definitely worth going, especially for only being like 25 minutes away and not having to pay for a hotel, airfare, rental car, all that stuff. So yeah, being local, that makes it killer yeah it really does breaking even is you know gas money pretty much and whatever your booth costs exactly yeah so that's what's really nice about this one and there was one more that i was gonna do it was on it was in california in like november it was just like a weekend show i was gonna do but i decided not to just because it was a brand new convention and 
I just wasn't sure how many people would show up and the expenses were really high being in California. So this is like the last one of the year. So it's kind of nice knowing I don't have another show until I think March. Awesome. Well, that, that's good. That gives you some time to make new stock, make new molds, all that stuff. Yeah. And gear up and just right now it's like machine work and, you know, I'm finishing up those helicopter parts. I'm doing the plastic ones because like we talked about, I think two weeks ago, I did all the aluminum ones, or I think at the time I was working on them and those had to get out as soon as possible to get anodized and coated. And then now these plastic ones, I'm just kind of slowly taking my time with going to try to get those done by Friday. I got all it's three part numbers. I got all op ones done today and most of them are six op parts, but they're pretty straightforward. I've done them before. So get those done Friday. And then they just came back to me. I said, those were the two parts in the uh, shared file I showed you. They just sent me those and we're like, Hey, we know you're working on this one order, but our other machine shop is overbooked. And supposedly it's another like garage machine shop, which is kind of funny. Um, they're too busy. And can we move these to you and any future production? Can we move to you with this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Dang, um, dude, you're going to need another machine here soon. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but they were like, you know, they already have tooling and fixturing. So, and they, they're, this is why I love these types of customers because they straight up told me, they're like, this is what we paid before, you know, quote it like you normally do and let's see what we can do. And I quoted, you know, to be honest, much higher than what they were just because, you know, it's new parts. They're somewhat tricky. And, um, you know, I also added an NRE in there for tooling and fixturing. Um, you know, after you taught me that little science there. Uh, <laughs> so I did that and I was kind of like nervous because I didn't hear from them. And they, this morning they sent me the PO and like, no questions asked. They're just like, all right, can you get them in like the next couple weeks? And I'm like, you got it. That's how this week has been too. Like it, I'm not as lucky with customers as you are where they tell me the prices to beat and all that. <laughs> but um, like I sent out quotes last week well, I sent one quote out for like weeks ago and then one quote out last Friday, Thursday, no Friday. I sent it out Friday at like 3 PM and I was like, Oh, you know, I doubt <laughs> I'm going to get this one. Um, they needed the parts by, they said they wanted them Tuesday. And I was like, well, I I've got an overnight material. And even then I won't have them done. I was like, the best I can do is ship Thursday and thinking like, Oh, there's no way they're going to go for that. And then Monday morning I get the PO and I'm like, ah, damn it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on tonight. Uh, yep. the, of course, the material that usually ships same day and gets here the next day, they just didn't ship it. Like there was a label that was created and I got a notification. They're like, oh, it'll be delivered Tuesday. I was like, sweet, plenty of time. Yeah. And at like 1030 at night, they, they sent another, you know, UPS sent another email that was like, your shipment has been delayed. And I'm like, uh oh, great. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what I'm working on tonight, along with the more grills. But yeah, uh, nothing beats you know having everything ready to go, except waiting for like that one tool or material or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's always a pain when it's something I can't get locally. Yeah. So yeah, so, this this second order just came in. Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just going back to you're going to see you are uh, before I forget. I don't know if you saw on Dan Rudolph's Instagram that vice, the vice thing. Yeah. yeah. 
So for anybody who hasn't seen it, Rapid Design Solutions is the company, and it's like a bolt-on, or I think it's actually magnetic, just slips on the end of a Kurt vice or anything with an external hex uh, actuator. And I've watched the YouTube video now, and you like snug up the part in the vice with a normal vice handle, then go back like a half a turn, and then stick this thing on there. And when you apply air to it, it tightens your vice. And when you you know apply air to the other side, it loosens the vice. So it, it makes any standard vice a automation ready solution. You know, I think it's between fourteen and fifteen hundred dollars, which is super cheap compared to a lot of the automation solutions out there. Yeah, I mean, after seeing that, and you know, I was already like ready to go to UR. Then I saw that, and he had mentioned that, and I'm like, oh boy, like something's about to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for you, man. That's really cool. I'm like super excited. I mean, nothing's final yet, but the thought of just, you know, I really like what Jay mentioned and we had texted about this a little bit, but like, he's like, don't think of the overall cost of the robot. Like, yes, it's a big investment, but like, think of like all the other things you're going to be able to do now that you have basically an employee that doesn't complain. Yeah. Well, and like the UR10, I think I said it the week before that, like it, it's like paying somebody $17, $18 an hour to be an employee, yeah. except, well, it's less than that. Cause that, that's, it's like paying somebody 17 or $18 an hour with no taxes, no, you know, workers comp, no anything. And, and there's no downtime. There's no, I mean, besides any maintenance that you might have to do, but there's no sick days. There's no breaks. There's no any of that. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. If you've got the work for it, um, it's invaluable. I think. I'm really yes. looking forward to when we can start playing around with that. Yeah. I mean, just the thought of being able to move it around the shop to do other tasks too, like injection molding or, you know, really anything part counting, you know, if I have like my Lego stuff and I'm making packs of different, you know, weapons, like, okay, I want you to pick out, this is a pack of 20 different items. I want you to pick one of each and put it in this package and I can walk away and it'll, I'll come back and, you know, the table will be full of, you know, packed items, more or less, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, I'm sure they'll show you uh, when you go, but like the, all of the new ones come with a force sensitive wrist in them. And so they, he was talking about how like you can have one of those deeper for you and have it set up so that it pushes the part into a red wheel or something with a specific force. So like you're not rounding corners, but you're breaking edges or, you know, things like that. Yeah. So and that, that was the cool thing is because when he called me, they I didn't realize how, I mean, he kept stressing how machining and especially CNC tending, I mean, these robots are huge in that market. Yeah, they're starting to be bigger and bigger. Um, I yeah. think I was listening to Making Chips, I think, and they had somebody talking about in, integrating cobots. God, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but like UR went from selling like 5,000 robots to 40,000 robots. Whoa. Yeah, like a, so it, it's blown up for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm just super stoked. I mean, it's one of those things we've talked about before. I don't want to talk too much more about it, but it's like, it's the price of a machine more or less. I mean, all in, tax, shipping, accessories, that robot's going to cost probably the same price as my DM2, um, which is kind of scary, but it's like, you can't think about that. You got to think of the potential that it has. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like what the quantities you've been talking about, unless you wanted to hire somebody, I don't think that you could do them on your own. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the thought of being able to automate my machine. So when I'm sleeping and, and, you know, in talking purposes, I'm doing nothing. I'm on break. You know, it's still like something in my garage is still making money. Even if it's low pay, it's still running. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you gain all of those hours, you know, for not for free, but once you amortize the cost of the robot, they are free hours pretty much. Exactly. So yeah, that's so, awesome. That, that's really cool. Yeah. So I got that second order. I got to order material for these parts tomorrow. And we talked about that corner rounder. I'm excited to play with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, it's funny. You, you never know like what people have experience in. Like a yeah. corner rounder is are, are so, so commonplace for all the shops I've worked in that like when you were asking about it, you're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, no, just, just do it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you mean like that is what the tool is for like i've used um, them on like you know i've used them on like manual machines a couple times but like i'm just worried about like that mismatch um and then i don't know if you remember on the one part well the only part that has those fillets there's not much clearance it has to be a pretty small tool yeah i, I mean yeah it, it honestly it shouldn't be a problem like most of the, the way the corner rounders are built is that the radius goes right up to the edge of the tool. So okay. as long as it's not, you know, the bottom radius and then a straight vertical wall, which is not, there's a little bit of clearance there. You'll be totally fine. Um, I prefer getting corner rounders from places like Harvey that have specific numbers. I mean, it doesn't even need to be Harvey. It can be Harvey. It can be, I think internal tool makes some, uh, Sometimes you can find decent ones on MSC that have good specs, but like the biggest thing, if you want to avoid that mismatch on your first part is to have one that has like tolerances on the shoulder and how big the tip is. And like a lot of them have five thou on the tip before you start the radius. Okay. Um, and, the, and the other thing you could do is just, you know, comp it up and comp it out a few thou and, and walk it in until you get a good blend on your first part. And then it's, it's golden from then on. Yeah. So just really finding a, a nice quality one that has documented, you know, the actual, you know, geometry of the tool that I can plug into fusion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think all the ones I've ever used have at least the tip diameter. So that gets you really close. But then, uh, especially if you, depending on the part, like I think for the part you have, you just want a standard one, but like if you have a part that doesn't have like a, the true radius call out or something like that. Like it just says R it doesn't say true R it doesn't, you know, that it's not like a, a really important feature. They have ones that are flared five degrees on both ends. And so that way it's not a tangent radius on both sides, but you also have significantly more leeway both radially and axially to kind of fudge the numbers and, and get a, a good looking radius. Okay. Like those grills, we actually faced them now. We ended up having to add facing to them with a 3 8 end mill. But when we first got them, we were trying to do them without any finishing on the top. And so we bought one of those. And, it, you know, it, there's quite a few thou of leeway, both axially and radially, before you start seeing a step. Okay. And the ones from Harvey, they're carbide, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I don't think I've ever used a high-speed one. I didn't know because I was just looking out. Cause I've never, like I said, I've never used one. I've just used like high speed steel on a bridge port once. So yeah, no, they're, they're fantastic. We've got, 
I don't know, five, six, seven of them in stock at my shop that we use constantly. And like, we have, we have them in so many of the jobs at my day job. Like I would say 80% of the jobs have some kind of corner rounder in one of the ops. Okay. That's good to know because there's another job that's a potential repeat that I had this, I think it was like a eighth inch radius and it was like, it was a pretty decent sized part. And the fact that I was surfacing it with a, I think a 16th inch ball, which is just something I have in my machine all the time. Like it was a solid, probably three minutes of surfacing. And now that you're over here saying, just use a corner radius tool. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that like is probably like now a 30 second operation. Yeah. Well, and, and it looks so much better. I mean, yeah. if you get the speeds and feeds, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really impossible to screw it up in aluminum, but like it, it looks beautiful and like the, the blends will be great. And yeah, it's, it's so worth your time if it's yeah. more than one part. Like I'll, I'll surface odd corner radii that are onesies, twosies, but anything, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight or above, like I'll buy that corner radius tool just to save myself the, the headache. Yeah. I mean, I looked briefly on MSC. They have double-ended ones for like $50, $40. So it's like 20 bucks per side, which is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It. it I mean, I... Yeah, I, I really think that you can't go wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll be texting you about that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm totally game. Um, you let me know what what one you're looking at, and I can check it out. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because these parts, like I said, I got like 25 of them, and I'm not surfacing those. No, 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 no. And, and they're big. I mean, they're six inch width parts. So they're, exactly. That's a lot of toolpath. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I think you could probably. I think I looked and there's enough clearance for like a three sixteenth ball. Okay. And you could run that fairly fast, but there's just, there's no reason to like at that quantity, you can amortize the cost of the tool really quick. I'm sure you quoted high enough that you can buy a little bit of tooling and, and still do all right. Yeah. I mean that $325 NRE for a corner radius tool. I think I'm covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you'll do it right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a really good trick to add to your, your bag of tricks. Yeah. You, you just added a vacuum and I'm adding, adding corner radiuses. Tools, <laughs> so that's fine by me. I'll go slow, slow and steady. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So I got that. And then you won't even believe this. We'll have to talk off air about this, but I'll just kind of bring it up. So like I'm sitting, I'm not sitting here. This was like an hour ago or two hours ago. I was doing some UV printing and that's upstairs in my room next to my computer, my main PC. And I was like thinking, cause I, we had talked about this a couple podcasts ago. I'm really pushing for this goal, this, you know, I'm not going to say what the goal is, but it's a very ambitious goal for the end of the year. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I made a Google sheet and I was like, I'm going to forecast these months in sales, you know, for the Lego stuff and then machining. I think I can get this. And I'm just like, it ain't cutting it. Like I'm still this many dollars off. And I'm like, this is going to take something big to like push me over the edge to be confident to hit that goal. And I was like thinking of this one customer. I'm like, wonder if he needs any more of those big parts. And then I kid you not, I go over and my phone lit up with an email saying, hey, Peyton, we need a uh, hundred of these parts. Can we send you a PO tomorrow? And I'm just like, that like, no way. It. it literally like pushed me so high over this goal. And I'm just like, 
all right, celebrate. We're done. <laughs> that's awesome. That yeah. is so. That's really cool too that you have your own product that you can forecast. Like I, I that is definitely one thing in the new, new year I'd really like to work on is finding the time to come up with, you know, some small products and sell them. Um, cause having that not passive income, but nearly passive, you know, it, it's a, a, it's operations that you know how to run. You can build fixtures, you can do all that stuff. I mean, for you, it's, it's your, uh, injection molding machine, but yeah, just things like that would be really, really nice to have. Yeah. And it's getting to the point cause that stuff's kind of known cause I've been doing it for many, many years. You know, I know what I'm going to make in a month off my website. I know January is not going to be as good as like November. Um, but it's getting to the point where now I'm because machining, it's so hard because it's, you know, based on the economy. It's based on your vent, your your customers. Do they need parts? Why don't they need parts? Maybe their products aren't selling, so they don't need parts. So it's hard to gauge that. But I'm slowly getting a better grasp on how to gauge at least the good customers that I have, the really close ones like okay, they normally order this much every so often. So, you know, if they order $5,000 worth of parts every six months, you know, let's just say for talking purposes, that's $1,000 a month. I know I'm going to get from them type thing. Totally. Yeah. Oh, you, well, you didn't remind me, but it came to mind. Uh, the other thing that we had had happened this uh, week was we had a sales engineer from Qualicam out because I had emailed them last week. So to back up, we were planning on fully switching over to Synergy a few weeks ago, and I contacted the guys, and they were like, yeah, we'll come help you switch out your machine, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we ended up getting so busy that we couldn't have them out. We couldn't have the machine down for a day, and so we put it off, and then I had been waiting to hear back from them and kind of coordinate the schedules to get it all done. Um, and then in talking with Brad, and we saw a few people on Instagram using some different Qualicem recipes, like there's uh, Ben from Ben's Ben's or from Freelux is using EcoPure, which is a new one from them or new to me at least. And Brad at his day job had been using 355, I think, which is another newer one from them. Um, and so I reached out to them just saying like, hey, we've always loved 250C in the past. Here are the issues that I've been having. Uh, you know, what can you do? What, what's what's new? What's good? Can you come out and look? We'd, we'd love to stick with Polychem if we can. Um, Synergy has solved all of my problems, which were it separating, it going bad. And then when it went bad or started to go bad, it would become a real bad skin irritant. Okay. And uh, I reached out. I said, here's all the problems I was having. Synergy solves them all, but it's expensive and it requires DI water, which is a pain for us. And I was like, if you guys can solve those problems, you know, we'll, we'll definitely stick with Polycam. And so they came out and talked to Brad because I was at work and you know, we're like, oh, well, you know, 250 is, I guess there's a newer formula that just came out. Okay. And they said that this one should be much better than the past ones for separation. And that, you know, they, people were having issues with the past formulation and that this one has solved all those problems. And so they brought by a five gallon pail and said, you know, try this in the brother or whatever, wherever, and see if this solves your issues. Um, and then they, you know, talked a little bit about the EcoPure and the 355. It sounds like, I can't remember which one is which, but one of them needs, still needs purified water. It doesn't need DI, but it needs, you know, at least RO. Okay. And then, what was, I think it was the, 
the Eco Pure they said would go bad faster than 250. Do you so know why? It, it something about the formulation. It, it's just not as stable over time. Okay. Um, it, I think it's if I remember right, the Eco Pure is like for like high performance machining of stainless steels, titaniums, and aluminum. And so maybe there's some kind of additive additive ingredient in there that breaks down over time or qu- quicker over time than 250. But they said that this formulation of 250C should have no problem sitting for a month without any aeration and not go bad. Interesting. So that that would be fantastic because like my stuff right now, if it sits for like a day and a half, it starts yellowing and getting shitty. Really? Yeah. And granted, I think it's because it's already full of bacteria. Like I keep adding a little bit here and there and it makes it better for a day or two, but it's just, it's already gone bad and it's already started separating. And so that's kind of a hard process to reverse. I feel like, I mean, with your stuff, how much coolant are you going through on a week, let's say? Mm, I don't know. I mix up maybe one or two five-gallon, like five-gallon mixed things a week for each machine. Maybe 10 gallons a week for each machine. Okay. I feel like I go through more probably just because of my molds. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's all your fling off. And like in the middle of the summer, we probably go through... 20 gallons a machine a week okay i was just curious because like okay this new stuff how do you are you gonna have to clean out the old or are they cross they're probably not cross compatible at all uh from what i've heard it is cross compatible i mean it's the same it's the same stuff just a new formulation but i'm definitely gonna clean the machine before i try it out yes i don't think we've cleaned the brothers since we got it so i might as well give it a deep clean and you know get all that stuff done well, and just get a level playing field for the new coolant. Exactly, yeah. I need to make sure that I have another filter in stock for the brother before we do that. Because um, I don't want to, like, you know, contaminate the new stuff with the old filter. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but besides that... Um, oh, it's one of our listeners also commented and gave a fantastic idea. I haven't had a chance to do it yet. But you know how everybody was worried about the filters breaking? yeah. He just said, well, why don't you just mount it inside the machine? And like on some machines, that might not be a good solution. But for the brother, like the coolant line, the way it runs, it's really not that hard to loop it just inside the enclosure up by the casting and mount it against the the rear sheet metal. Yeah. And so I'm going to do that because that way, if it does break, it just dumps into the machine. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's that's such a simple solution. Like I I still want to have a bowl on hand so I can continue machining, but... That way there's no giant mess. There's no worry about, you know, walking into 10 gallons of coolant on the floor. So I, I, I was like, oh, that's perfect. I just need to order up some more uh, some more of the spring hose, I guess it's called. It's yeah, like the, the reinforced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of ideas, I had a family member actually mention a really cool, interesting idea so especially with special guests, I don't think we need to do this for me and you, but I think when we have guests on, I think we should come up with like a list of like, I don't know, five questions that are like, maybe not machining related, but not, uh, maybe not random, but kind of machining related, but more just general questions that we ask every single guest. I mean, it could be, you know, Metatoyu versus Starrett or, you know, something, it could be a silly question or it could be, you know, cats or dogs or, you know, just something, you know interesting 
Yeah, I like that. That's a really good idea. Yeah, just something different. I don't know. It'll just be, it could be interesting to see the different people answer questions like that and hear their reasoning for it. Yeah, I think that's a, a great idea. Um, it, it, it kind of a level playing field thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I definitely like that a lot. Another random thought. I am so close to getting my boy machine running that I'm like so happy right now. <laughs> yeah, you've been posting about that on your stories and we were talking about it today. So you got all the seals back in. Yeah, so and... like the only thing I'm trying to like figure out is there's these half nuts and I understand how they go on, but it's like, I got an email boy and I have one guy, I think his name's Steve Foreman, but he's been super helpful. And I've been, you know, granted I've been bugging him with so many different questions cause I'm just trying to absorb knowledge. But the fact that I got one of these bronze bushings out replaced all four seals and like, okay, now I just got to do that one more time on the other side. I just need to know how to fully assemble these half nuts and all this. But like, I'm pretty confident that that's the issue that'll fix this machine. And if that's the case, I'm super happy. So you were just getting, they think you were just getting blow by past these seals? Yeah, they just think, I mean, if if I take pictures of these O-rings, one of the O-rings I think is really what went bad the other seals looked fine. I think, I don't know when they were replaced. They're probably the originals, which is, you know, 30 some years old. Um, and I think they were just, one of the O-rings was definitely deteriorating. And then some of these larger seals, they were just so hard that I don't think they were doing anything. Oh, gotcha. And so that's why it was not fully closing. It was actually leaking out past all that yeah and i think air was getting into the system and into the actual hydraulics so the cylinder couldn't compress all the way because there was air in between oh shoot yeah so i'm thinking that's what it is well that's great I i'm really keeping my fingers crossed for you because that would be fantastic yeah i mean so far it's just been a lot of manual labor and i mean i think like a hundred dollars in seals but it's definitely worth you know doing this versus spending four thousand dollars to have them come out and do it if this is the case right yeah i mean it, it, i remember you were kind of giving up the the machine for a little bit you're like yeah. you know what maybe i'll just find a new one and then you got a quote on one and you're like oh maybe not yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep so so how do you deal with that like how, have you had enough stock levels on your lego stuff that this hasn't been a big issue or yeah, I mean, that one machine I only run production molds on, and I really only have the one production mold for this one armor set that I make for a figure. Uh, and I've just been so stocked up because when I got the machine, I ran, you know, probably 10,000 parts. So I, in all sorts of different colors. So I'm like well stocked on it. But it's just one of those things. I, I have one mold that I want to run again. It's no rush. I just want to. And then, there's some other products that I want to make full blown production molds, you know, with ejector pins and fully automate it and make, you know, decent quantities of versus the little manual molds where I have to sit there and run the machine and take the parts out and do all of that. Right. So, so, so you have a smaller machine that you use for your other stuff. Cause I said, you, you know, you have new products that seems like weekly pop up on your Instagram. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got the small, the other one's just an air pneumatic one. Okay. Okay. 
and that, I, you had issues with that one too a, a month or two ago, right? Yeah, I was about to say, if you remember, I had to replace that main air cylinder. Whatever ended up happening? Did you end up just buying it from them? or? Yeah, so it was kind of weird because it, it went bad. There was a seal on the top or like a spring something. I can't remember, a spring washer or a spring seal. And mm -hmm. it went bad because it was leaking air out of the top of the cylinder. And I sent it back. I bought a new one. It was like thousand bucks, which sucked, but I had, I needed it because I needed parts like now. And so I got the new one and it was running fine for about two months. And the, I don't even think I told you about this part. I think I just told you about what I already said was the first one or the old original one went bad, got a new one, was working fine for two months. Then like within maybe a month ago, that one actually went bad too. And same thing the spring on the top let air in and just totally busted the seal and i was like hey what the heck i just got this new one you guys said this should last for 10 to 15 years you know with the amount of hours i run on it which isn't a lot and luckily since it was a new part with warranty i sent it back they sent me a new one and so far i've been fine but it was just kind of like a weird kind of hiccup yeah that's bizarre but we're running now, and like I said, if I could get the larger boy machine running, I might even have this helicopter part company. The owner sits on the board of directors of a, I think it's a Chinese manufacturing company that make plastic parts, and they're looking for someone to do lower volume stuff because supposedly the Chinese injection molding factories really just like the large volume stuff which i understand because doesn't everybody um but <laughs> yeah ain't that the truth i know but you know low volume to them might be really high volume to me is what i'm thinking you know a hundred thousand right. parts might be low volume to them and for me that's like you know that's a month's worth of work for that little machine so <laughs> you know if i can get that up and running and contact them and be like hey let's talk about this because i know you were interested that might be it'd be nice to have that machine running job shop injection molded parts more because right now i just use it for my own stuff totally yeah i mean if you could do enough injection molding stuff to afford another machine eventually that would be fantastic yeah then stick the ur in between the two and have it sort parts and Oh snap. Yep, there we go. <laughs> yep, that that would that's the the dream right there. Yes it is. <laughs> so what's on deck this week? You got more job shop work to get out? Let's see. Try to finish those plastic parts, then get started as soon as possible on these new aluminum ones. Um and yeah, start planning for the future. I sent you a link to a machine that I was looking at. Oh, I have to you, check that out. I don't know if you saw that. It was something that uh, a buddy of mine brought up to me because he had mentioned to me about the little phone booth style machines. And I really, really like that idea. Oh, the, yeah, the tiny like robo drills and the S300, things like that. Yeah. I think, uh, do you follow Luma Labs on Instagram? Yeah. He had a video a while back. I, I don't know what the shop is. I want to say it was like, I can't remember who it's supposed to be, but they have like a bunch of those with robot arms between them, like flipping parts from op one to op two. Oh, like whoa. Lines of them. Like if you go on his Instagram, it's a video where he just walks down an entire aisle of like 
S300s and tiny robo drills with a robot between every single pair of them. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, because um, I'm just thinking, I don't have, I could buy another one of like, in a perfect world, if I had more shop space, I would just buy, honestly, a second DM2 and just like standardize because honestly, I love that machine. I have no issues or complaints. I mean, maybe a VF2 simply because the cost, I could save a little because um, the DMs kind of advertise the speedy Gonzalez and pay more for nothing type thing. Um, Is it really more expensive than a VF2? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So it's kind of dumb, but and especially <laughs> the fact that they dropped the price 10 grand from when I bought it. So it's like, oh, I love that. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, but good learning experience. But like I said, I mean, I've only got enough space for like either one more DM2 or a mini mill, or I could somehow squeeze like two S300s or two little robo, um, robo drills. You know, I don't know. It's one of those things where I could use a second spindle like now. Right. So yeah, it, it sounds like you definitely could use one now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what just happened, but I don't know if I care for what you wish for, but <laughs> I got work now. Yeah, I can't believe some of the quantities you've been showing me. Like it's, I'm definitely a, a little jealous there. I'm yeah, like, I don't know. I would love that. <laughs> I don't know if you're jealous or I know what you're saying, but the stress that could come with that, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like jealousy or envy along with like, Good luck. Really, relief. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you know, I right now I'm glad I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, once you get it set up, like it, it would be a really cool cell to just have running all the time. Um, I really think that you could put together a really good workflow on that. Uh, I assume you're going to add probing if you add a robot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, if, if you're not checking good parts, you either need to do that or design some really badass functional gauges that you can, you know, run a bunch of parts through really quick. Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I, I think you still would you still would be wise to have some good inspection equipment set up specifically for that job, but um being able to probe it on the machine will really help as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And just really honestly, not even concerned as much about the parts, but the tool breakage. Yeah, that'll be a real real big help too. Yeah. The breakage detection is, is really big. Yeah, so. There's not, not any threads on any of those parts, though, are there? Uh, no. So that's pretty good, then. I yeah. Mean, you, you won't have to do a whole lot of tool breakage detection, I don't think, at that point. No, just maybe for the tiny drills and end mills, but I'm so used to, you know, a 16th end mill to me is not tiny at all, so. Yeah. <laughs> hey i was using that as a quote roughing tool the other day on a part <laughs> oh my goodness it's yeah, like it's, no. a, it's a big tool 16th i think it was definitely the smallest one we have always set up um and very often it's the smallest tool we have to use on i don't know 80 90 of our parts yeah like we use 30s and 20s and uh we've used smaller tools sometimes but man it's like few and far between yeah so i don't know it'll be interesting the next like i said the next i'd say two months 
the first of the year, it'll be interesting to see where both of us land. Yeah, yeah. This, I think, I mean, regardless, if nothing else changes, we're both going to end the year really strong and be, you know, really ready for 2020. Oh, yeah, for sure. IMTS coming up. Oh, I'm going to be pumped. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to going back. And I there's a lot of other things that I want to look for this time. Like I last time didn't spend any time in the deburring uh, section. Yeah, I realized I got back and was like, oh, I, I wish I had kind of seen that more. Yeah, um, because that's like the make or break for a lot of parts. It's like, oh, now I've got to deburr 100 parts by hand and hopefully not scrape you know the bottom of this pocket or something like that. And I, I think deburr is kind of like the the thing that everybody forgets when they're quoting and everybody forgets when they're shipping out parts like it's it's really the the difference between a good part and like a part that looks like crap yeah seriously i mean yeah it's just that you overlook that and all of a sudden you're spending five minutes deburring a part and there goes your profit yeah yeah precisely so all right should we end it there yeah, nice little quick one. Um, I think we both got work to get back to, and uh, I'm definitely I, I got to get to the shop. I've got probably another four or five hours tonight. Yeah, I got to get doing some stuff too. Alrighty, man. Well, uh, thanks everybody for following along. Um, we'll be back next week, possibly with a guest, and if not, it'll be Peyton and I checking back in and seeing if this crazy streak of business continues. <laughs> yeah seriously uh follow us on instagram you know throw us in your stories and we'll repost it we always love to add more people to everybody following and listening along uh i think everybody can tell that we really appreciate all the advice and uh just the opportunities that we get by having this podcast like i've, I've learned so much by our followers and our, our listeners and I, I just love like the interaction from everybody. So yeah, definitely give us a follow on Instagram, share it with somebody, try to bring more people into the fold and we can all learn more together. Yeah, definitely do that. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. We'll see you next week. Yep. Thanks guys.